Thank you so much for joining us for this journey through the book of Romans by Pastor Sumiko Stroud of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located in Bremen, Georgia. To find out more information about our ministry, just log on to www.kingdomrock.org. And now here is Pastor Sumiko Stroud with part 10, Journey Through the Book of Romans. Romans has 16 chapters, uh, but the rest, the remaining chapters, 12 through 16, are going to be focused um, more on behavior. Now, the first part of Romans, we've had, uh, we've talked a lot about doctrine, um, the fact that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and we've talked about how that, what that looks like, what that means uh, to be saved, and what it means to be justified, and uh, a reconciling to God, uh, with God, and an atonement uh, for our sins. So we've gotten, at this point, we, we've established our relationship with God. Everybody good with that? We're, we've established that. And we know that it is not by what we do, but it is about what we believe. Um, justification uh, is through uh, grace uh, by faith. And so we can't do enough to earn our salvation. We just have to believe. Now, that being said, there are some things that once we have established our relationship, uh, some things that we do as we, as we make an attempt to increase or, or perfect our fellowship with God and our fellowship with our feather, fellow, not feather, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's going to be some conduct uh, on our behalf, conduct that's becoming a Christian. Because when we um, believe something, it should be reflected in our behavior, right? If you believe that it is raining outside and you don't want to get wet, then what do you do? You put on some kind of raincoat or you take an umbrella. There's a corresponding conduct, a corresponding behavior uh, that sort of undergirds the belief that you have. If you believe um, that at the end of the work week you were going to receive a paycheck, then you know you live accordingly, right? You go to work, you do your work, and then you expect your check, and you have your bills and things lined up ready to pay them. Now, if you did not believe, if you were not sure that you were in fact going to be compensated uh, for your work, then you may behave a little differently. You may not show up on time. You may not work quite as hard uh, as you ordinarily would if you were not sure. And that happens. Now, I've, you know, some of us have worked places where it was sort of touch and go <laughs> as to whether you were actually going to be paid at the end of the week. So our behavior is different. If you believe um, that something that you eat is going to make you sick, then you either prepare to be sick or you don't eat it, right? But your, your conduct changes. Amen. And so, I didn't see. <laughs> and so, same thing when we, when we say that we believe that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ came and is that Savior and that by believing in the work on the cross, uh, we can be justified just as if we'd never sinned and we can be reconciled to God and that now 
once we've established that relationship that you know he is with us he is for us and we can live an abundant life here on earth and then when we die there's heaven if we believe that then there should be some changes in our behavior right we should start acting if we believe that he is a holy god and that now we are connected with him there should be some corresponding holiness rubbing off on us and so that's where we get into conduct and some people don't like, you know, to talk about the conduct because then they're like, church is just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, the whole world is a bunch of do's and don'ts, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> it's, it's just a fact of life. But it's necessary because our conduct, because we said what we believe affects how we behave. And how we behave is all that the other people around us have to see. I can't peer into your head and know what's going on in there. I don't want to get in some people's heads, even if I could. Uh, the only way I can tell your stance on an issue is how you behave, is how you act. And so we are to be witnesses to the world uh, of how good God is. And part of that is going to be when people look at us, we will tell them, you know, one thing, you need to repent, you need to give your life to the Lord. And then, okay, so they're going to hear that, and then they're going to look at you to see what that means. And if that means you go to church once a week, and then the rest of your life and your time is your own, well, then they may not be quite so gung-ho on trying to believe as you believe, because they haven't seen, you know, they're thinking... Well, if the only difference between the way they behave and the way I behave is that for a couple of hours a week they go to church, I don't think that's going to be necessary for me. I kind of like sleeping in. Sundays are the only days some people have off. And there has to be some compelling reason to get dressed and come to church. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, we're going to talk about um, our conduct. We've talked about character, who we are. We are Christians. That's what we're saying, right? That is the confession that we are making is that we are uh, believers in Jesus Christ, followers of the way, uh, and they became known as Christians. So we are saying that's who we are. That has to deal with our character, you know. And so now we're going to look at uh, our conduct, what we do. So I'm going to read, we're going to actually read through Romans chapter 12. It's not very long. I'm reading from the New King James Version. So if you want to follow along, if not, you can just listen. Trust me, it's there. <laughs> but I do encourage you, if you haven't read it already, to read it. Okay, Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A couple of vocabulary words. We're going to talk about being conformed and being transformed. We're going to talk about our minds being renewed there. And it's interesting how he starts this office. He says, I beseech you, brethren. He's begging you. Come on, y'all, please. You know, um, you know, coming at you, I'm petitioning you. Uh, it is so important for us that we do um, give ourselves, that we present our bodies, and we have to present them because it's, it's ours, right? And if you have something that's yours, 
and you want to give it to somebody else, you can throw it at them. But it's so much nicer if you present, right, something, because that is saying, this is mine, and I really want you to have it. And so we have the choice in that, because God doesn't just come and take us, although, um, you know, he very rightly could. Now, he has paid the price for us. We've been bought with a price, but even still, he waits for us to present ourselves to him. If we say, I want to be a bond servant of the Lord, we have to still give ourselves to him. And some people say that this presenting of your body as a living sacrifice is a one-shot deal. You know, like when you, you get married, you get, you committed, you're married. You're not any more married tomorrow than you are at that moment. But I disagree. I do too. I think it is, it is a continual presenting, right, of yourself. Uh, of course, I know legally you cannot be any more married one day than you are the next, but emotionally you pretty much can because some people just sort of give up on the whole thing. Although they're still legally married, they stop putting the work in. And so we can do the same thing with our relationship with the Lord. We can start out presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. And what does that mean if we're a living sacrifice? It would be easy if we just say, okay, Lord, I believe in you, and then you just die. Well, then you really haven't had to do anything. But a living sacrifice, I'm living, I'm breathing, I'm moving, I'm my every day, and I'm presenting myself to you and that everything that I am and everything that I do, I want to do in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. I want to acknowledge him in my actions. I don't consider my life as just being my own. Perhaps there are some things that I want to do that I don't do because they stand in the way of me doing some things that God wants me to do. And when, that, when it comes to me doing for, because I like it or me doing because God wants me to, I choose to do what he wants me to do because I'm a living sacrifice. Uh, same thing, case in point, you know, when, when we are parents and we have children, Sometimes there are things that, as parents, we want to do, but we put ourselves aside and do what is best for our children. Some things that, you know, they may want us to do. You know, like those lovely, when they have those meals at the school. We have one coming up. Bless their hearts. And I love my children, you know, and I like to spend time with them, but we can eat together at home, you know, so there's something else going on. With that, that you have to, you know, send all that money to go and sit on those little chairs and look at that stuff, and you think, wow, nice lunch. And I get to sit across from my kid who's eating a very good lunch that I prepared myself while I eat what the school has given me, and I'm thinking, well, I could have just saved that 375 and brought my own lunch. But it is something that I do because. He appreciates it, something that he wants me to do. Uh, So there are times in our lives as we are being a living sacrifice that we will put our own wants and desires aside and do what it is we know that God is calling us to do. Now, we have to be careful about that because don't get it confused with putting what you want to do aside because it's what somebody else Um, who says that God said that we ought to do this. Well, you know, God speaks to all of us. And I firmly believe if there's something he wants me to do, I can hear you. (laughs) Now he will speak through other people, but that will typically be a word of confirmation. If it is the very first time, if Minister Tanner comes to me and tells me, 
okay, I'm going um, to do missionary work, and we're going to go to the nursing home once a week and have Bible study, and God wants you to do that with me. Well, now, <laughs> I love the people in the nursing home, but I've not heard God tell me anything about going to have a Bible study. Now, I would help, I would help somebody else if that is their ministry. I make sure you have your resources, you know, that kind of thing. That's my thing. I can help you. But he hasn't had any stirring in my heart whatsoever about leading a Bible study in the nursing home. So now if I quit my job at the food bank that I know that he's called me to do to go off with Minister Tanner and lead Bible study in the nursing home because she said that's what God said do, is that being a living sacrifice for God? No. Even though a Bible study is a very good thing to have, if he hasn't called me to do that, then I've left my post unattended which was being a living sacrifice to him to go and do something else. So we have to be careful uh, when we're doing that, that we are doing what God has called us to do and not what God has called somebody else to do. He probably did tell Minister Tanner to go and she probably figured if I get past the Samiko to go. <laughs> so we have to be mindful of that, right? Okay, so let's get back into where were we? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Reasonable, what does that mean? That's the very least we can do. Considering what he's done for us, the very least we can do, he has ransomed our lives. We would have been dead. And so now that we have this life, this, this opportunity at abundant living, the very least we can do is live it in a way that honors him. The very least, right. So um, even, you know, and I come again to parents and children, you know, children, if you have good parents, they've sacrificed a lot for you. The very least you can do is live a decent life, right? May not be the one that I would live, but live, don't just throw it away, right? We go through a lot to get y'all in the world and keep you safe while you're growing up. And to become an adult and just throw it to the wind, well, I don't know about y'all, but I would be offended. I would be like, I went through what? And this is all you're gonna do with it? Give me back my youth. But anyway, I digress. Okay. All right. We, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Conformed um, is being like this world. We don't want to, when somebody looks at us, uh, we don't want to be everything that is not like God. When we say being conformed to the world, what we're looking at is, excuse can we turn the heat off? Just turn it. Um, we don't want to look at this is our God is holy. Everything that is not like God, everything that is not holy, when we say the world, that's what we mean. That doesn't mean I can't carry a cell phone because that's what they have in the world. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that are contrary to God. And so you can't say that I believe uh, that he is my Lord and Savior. And then when I look at you, I can't see any of him in you. All I see is that thing that is uh, opposite of him. Again, with our children, when you look at my children, you should see some of me in them because they come from me. When I look at each one of you, I should see some of God in you. That's the whole being Christian, Christ-like. I should be able to see some of Jesus in you. Um, And if I can't, 
then you're being conformed to the wrong thing. Amen. You're being conformed, in, in fact, instead of to him, but you're being conformed to the world. Yeah. But instead, thank you, instead we need to be transformed. Y'all know what transformers, you know the little guy, transformers. You start out being one thing, you end up being something else. We need to be transformed because we're already one way, not, not the good way, right? We're already conformed, we're a product of this society already. When we're born, as we grow, that's what we are. We're a product of you know, what we've inherited from our parents and what we see around us. We're a product of that. And so to be like God, there's going to have to be some transformation, some changes uh, that take place. But you can't just, you know, I can't just give you a list of rules. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes churches sort of get off track is that we recognize that there's going to have to be some transformation in all of our lives. But what happens is then when I type up a list that says this is what you need to look like and I hand it out and say, okay, go at it. Because if we could change ourselves, any permanent change, we wouldn't need God. We probably would have already done it by now. Because most of us, the things that we were doing, we realized were not good for us. Uh, but it was difficult to break away from. And so this transformation uh, is going to come by having our minds renewed. Before there can be any permanent change in your life, there has to first be a change in your mind. You have to change the way you think about things. You have to change the way you um, believe about something because remember, belief has to do with our behavior. So once we change the way we, we see things, the way we believe about things, then the things that we do will change. Case in point, if you believe that drugs in excess, and I have to say drugs because there are some drugs that are prescription drugs that you're supposed to take, and if we take things, if we abuse them, if I believe that abusing drugs is not just illegal, because it takes more than something just being wrong. You know, you, you, if you just, you know, it's not just, I don't do that because it's wrong. You know, if you just, and if that's all the information you give somebody, don't do it because it's wrong. Well, that, what that translates into is, be careful you don't get caught doing what you're going to be doing. But instead, if I turn it into abusing drugs is not good for me because it's harmful for me, is going to shorten you know, my life, is going to take away from the quality of my life. It is, I do it because I don't want to have to deal with something that I'm you know, dealing with. It's a temporary solution and it's harmful to me and it's harmful to those around me. If I change my mindset into believing that, then it's going to be easier for me to break away. Because when given that opportunity uh, to abuse drugs, then it won't just be, well, I need to make sure I don't get caught doing it because this is wrong and I don't want to go to jail. No, you have a different thought process. Uh, this is not what's best for me. This is not helping me. It's a temporary fix. But when this high is over, I still have those problems that I'm trying to run away from. And it's going to take even more the next time. And then I'll end up having to give my whole life uh, my resources to, to this problem, to feeding myself this or this Band-Aid. Who wants to spend their life savings on Band-Aids? Because that's what drugs is. It's a, you know, it's a, it would be like the equivalent of you getting a big cut in your arm, and instead of getting it seed about, you just keep putting Band-Aids, and you bleed through that one, and you take another one off, and your whole paycheck goes to Band-Aids. And then you start stealing other people's Band-Aids. 
or other people. You see how ridiculous it sounds. You start spending, you know, stealing from other people to get more money to buy more Band-Aids because the one Band-Aid can only last so long before you bleed through it and it's no good anymore. When in fact, wouldn't it be better to go get some help to get this cut taken care of so that it heals? Then you don't have to pay any more attention to it. You don't have to walk around favoring this arm because it's, you know, and I can't let nobody see my gash in my arm because it's bleeding, but I got to get me some more Band-Aids. So when I can change my way of thinking to that, this is just covering up something that, you know, needs to be fixed, then I can let the other go. And so that's what the Word of God is telling us, is we need to be transformed, but that transformation is only going to take place as our mind is renewed. We've got to change the way we see things. Because we've, we've come up and we've, we've looked at things from society's point of view. And typically society's point of view is do whatever feels good to you. We'll, we'll do questions at the end. Do whatever feels good to you right now. Don't worry about the consequences. Uh, this is your life. You only get one time to live it. Do what makes you happy. Which, you know, if it were really a, a lasting happiness, uh, you know, may mean something. But typically it's not. Typically it's a happy in the moment with regret afterwards. And so we, we need to have our minds renewed. We've got to change the way we think about some things, which is our, um, and, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, verse three. Well, before we get to verse three, our question up here, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? Now, the difference between the two. Thermostat simply tells you, no, thermometer. Thermometer tells you the conditions of the room. If we go over and look at the air conditioner or the heater on the wall, judging by how I feel up here, it feels like it's at least 80 degrees in this building. <laughs> now, the thermometer can't do anything about that. Can It just tells me that it's 80 degrees in the building. And if I take the thermometer outside, where it's less than 80 degrees, well, it's going to tell me what it is outside. It's not going to do anything to change it. It's just going to conform to its surroundings. Don't live your life as a thermometer. And what that means is, if you're around a group of people that are telling raunchy jokes, well, you just jump right on in with some raunchy jokes of your own. Or you're laughing and carrying out. If you're with some people that gossip, well, you just go ahead on and throw your two cents in because I got some juicy stuff too. You hadn't heard? Well, let me tell you. If you're with a group of people that lie, well, then you come up with some doozies. <laughs> Same token, if you're with a group of people who love the Lord and who are talking scripture, I got a couple, you know, I don't know a whole lot of them, but I got three or four enough to make it sound good. I know my, I got my church talk, you know, I can, I can, you know, do my Christianese and speak my praise the Lord and hallelujah, and I can do all of that so that I sound like them. We don't want to be, go through life being thermometers when all I can do is reflect the conditions of the room that I'm in the conditions of the crowd that I'm around. Instead, we want to be a thermostat. Now, the thermostat doesn't just tell you the conditions of the room. If I'm in this room and I say, I need this room to be 72 degrees, the thermostat can make that happen. I can tell to put the thermostat on 72, and it will do what I don't even know how it works. I don't even need to know. All I know is if I need it to be a certain temperature, I can set it on that, and that thing will make everything else do. It will tear up the system trying to make it do, get to where it needs to be. That's what we need to be thermostats. 
If we're going to be a Christian people, then wherever you go, you are taking the love of Jesus Christ with you. And instead of you changing to make to be whatever the group is, no, this is what's going to happen here. I'm walking in the love of the Lord. I'm going to love you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to respect each and every one of you. And everybody in this group with me, this space, we're going to be 72 degrees. And if you can't cope, you got to (laughs) go. But I'm not going to change to meet the, at the conditions of the room. The room is going to change to meet me. Amen. Okay. Amen. Now, that's going to be good if I'm walking in a Christian character with Christian conduct. Yes. But if I'm not, and the room changes to meet me, because it will. And some people are just sort of naturally like that, whether they intend to or not. Have you noticed? You can go into a room. I've noticed that dynamic in the food bank with some of the volunteers. It's absolutely amazing to me. You can have somebody that when you put them by themselves and give them a job, they will do fabulous work. And then you can put them in a room with someone else whose work ethic is not that great. What you're hoping is that the good worker brings the bad worker up. But inevitably, the bad worker drags the good worker down. And I'm like, what? What is going on in here? So it happens. Not that they intended, but some people are just naturally kind of like that to where they make the whole room behave like them. And if they have a bad attitude, then it doesn't take very long before you notice sort of a stank attitude (laughs) across the whole board. So we have to be careful. Be mindful of that. Uh, When you're in a group, Know that the attitude that you take in the room, attitudes are contagious. Yes, they are. Make sure you have one that's worth catching. Yes, yes. Okay? Yes. Because it is going to be. Yes. Somebody's going to pick up yes. on how you behave. So if you're a real surly kind of person, then sometimes, and I've had to do this myself, like I catch myself thinking, oh, honey, I don't even want to buy what you're selling. Let me just, I'm going to need to take a five. I'm going to take five. And go somewhere, you know, and get yourself together and then come back out with your smile uh, because people are going to behave like you behave. <clears throat> so we want to be careful with that. Okay. Uh, on in Romans 12, it talks about spiritual gifts as well. It says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having been gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. And then it goes on to list some, uh, some gifts. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Yes, you are a Christian now. Yeah, big whoop. Everybody can be if they wanted to be. You know, if we just believe. Let's remember where we came from. Sometimes uh, Christians can get a little full of themselves, and we can yes. see people that are not born again. And you know how that whole judgmental thing comes in. I'm glad I'm not like him. <laughs> Let's not think of ourselves more highly. We are all sinners saved by grace. Amen. And the only difference is that, you know, we have, we have believed Maybe they haven't believed yet, but who's to say they won't? And we're praying that they will. But we all are important. We all have gifts. We are all members of the body of Christ. And just like in your physical body, there there are parts that I have to my body. I don't know what they're called, 
but I hope they work right. You know, <laughs> there's just somewhere in my mind that makes me think if he put it in there, it's necessary. And I know there are some parts that you know, medical science now has said doesn't really have a purpose and you know, they can take it out. But I'm like, I don't know if it's in there. We may not know what we need it for today, but what if next week I need to get ready to make them move a certain way and that part's missing? If it's in there, we're all that important. Not everybody will get up and teach. Not everybody can get up and lead praise and worship. But you are all equally important. If everything, if everybody worked in the body of Christ, if we all did what we were supposed to do, Think about how when your body, when everything is operating as it should, that's a good day, right? You can get out of bed, your legs are working, your arms are working, you can see, you can breathe without any difficulty. All the pistons are firing up in your brain and you can hold a, you know, some days I've had where I'm like, something's not, I'm kind of fuzzy up there. <laughs> I was in Sam's the other day and Moscow, you know, I, I really, that whole term scatterbrained, I was experiencing, I felt like my brain was just, and I was, I couldn't make, so I had to call Pastor, I was like, look, I'm standing in Sam's. This is the stuff I have in the buggy. This is my plan. Will these things in the cart make it happen? <laughs> do I need to put something back? Do I need to get something else? I'm struggling. <laughs> Nothing is coming together here. So he was probably like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> he finally <laughs> fell off the deep end. He's like, honey, it's going to be okay. <laughs> just, just, this is the plan. You don't just put that part back. Keep what you have. Come on, I'll pull up and pick you up at the door. <laughs> but we, I needed him at that point, right? We all, because there was something not working right. So we all need each other, but it is a good day physically when you can get up in the morning and everything works as it's supposed to work. You don't need medical, you don't need a pill to make it do what it's supposed to do. You don't need a walking stick to make it do what it's supposed to do. You can just get up and you can go. That's a good day, right? I don't need my whole body to work like my right arm. I just need my right arm to do what it's going to do. I need everything else to do what it needs to do. Same thing with the body of Christ. We all have a role to play. If your role is greeting people at the door, do that. Because for the people coming inside the building for the first time, you at that moment are worth more to them than the person who's going to be teaching. Because that person's not up yet. And I'm standing at this building that I've never been to before, and I'm a little nervous, and I'm not sure if they're going to accept me inside, and you meeting me at the door with a smile saying, welcome, come on in. That's what I need at that moment. Very important to me. If you're the person that keeps the bathrooms clean, well, if I got to go and I can get in there and it's clean at that point, you're more valuable to me than the person that's collecting the offerings or the person that's doing foreign mission because foreign mission is great, but I really got to go and I don't want to have to go in a dirty place. <laughs> and right now I can't think past my bladder. So we all have a role to play. Find out what yours is because when you are not doing what you've been called to do, we're crippled. Amen. Amen. And just like Amen. our physical bodies, 
I can, I can, I could function with just one leg. I could function with no legs, but not as well as I can with two Amen. That, Amen. that are working properly. I can function like my, my eyes, you know, I had a, some kind of eye infection when I was younger and left my eyes in a little weaker condition. And so I have to use glasses and I'm grateful for my glasses. Yeah. But it was so much better when I woke up in the morning and I didn't have to be like, <laughs> you know, I could just see. <laughs> I can see the alarm clock without doing a, it's five, wait, that's a two. <laughs> So much nicer. So we can function as a ministry. Y'all are funny. We can function as Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center with just a couple of people doing, but it makes it so much harder on those that are doing, right? The rest of me, because for some reason, my ears get rebellious when I don't wear my glasses. So even though my glasses are to help my eyes, my ears are like, wait a minute, I can't hear you. Put your glasses on. I don't know why, because I can't read lips. But when I can't see that well, I can't hear that well. And I don't know if my ears are trying to do something to help me see, and so they can't hear. I don't know what's going on. But in this ministry, as just a local representative of the body of Christ, if I have to teach the Sunday school, usher the door, clean the bathroom, count the money, call the people that aren't here and visit the sick. It's, I could do it, but I won't be able to do it well. That's right. Not any one of them well, because I'll be doing too much. Yeah. And I'll be doing stuff that I'm not called to do. I love people, but visiting sick people in the hospital, not my thing. <laughs> I don't care for the hospital, because there's sick people in there. And sick people like to share their sick germs. So I'm just like, because Brother Kelly was in the hospital. He was having a hip replacement. And I felt, I, I felt it. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry that, Brother, you got to go through that. I appreciate your commitment. I know it's because he was out there fighting for our country that he even had to go through all that. And he was like, Pastor Miko, I've seen Elder Ware. I've seen the deacons. I've seen Pastor Stroud. When you coming? I said, bruh. I ain't, <laughs> but I love you, and if there's anything you need, I'll send it by one of them, but that, I just can't do it. Now, I have visited a few people in the hospital. If you are one of them, consider yourself blessed, because that's not my thing, but we all have a role to play in the body of Christ. So, bottom line, Romans chapter 12, if you believe that Jesus Christ saved you from your sins and you are a Christian, then you need to behave like you're one. And part of that is knowing that you have a role to play uh, in the body of Christ. And another part of that has to do with brotherly fellowship. And that's what we do. We emphasize a lot of fellowship uh, here because we need to be, part of being a family is spending time with one another and getting to know one another. And so we need to do that. You shouldn't just be, you know, zip in the church late um, and then run out early so you don't have to talk to anybody. There's something missing. You know, we all need to get to know you and spend time with you. Okay, uh, we took a little extra five minutes today. Um, we're going to go ahead and close. And anybody, you had a question, right? Uh, yes, ma'am. It wasn't a question. It was more like it was just a comment. You know, yesterday I was at the store and talking about being transformed. I was talking to this woman and I was talking about 
you know, when I was first coming up, living in all that darkness, where you couldn't see, you know, mm -hmm. you're thinking you see, you're thinking, you know, everything is well and good because you can do whatever you want to do. But once you come into the knowledge of God, you know, and giving your life to Christ, it's a different outlook. That's so right. I really think about the transformation there, you know, of what I was to who I am. Because your mind was being renewed, your mind was being changed the way you saw things. And as your mind is changed, then you look around and you think, this is not really so good. I don't want to, I don't think I want to keep doing this. I mean, and I've done that. You, you wake up one morning, you look and you're like, dog, I just was crazy. And sometimes it feels like that. But very, very good point. You can see the change. And we should see, because that change will happen. That's why it's so important not to judge people. Because that change happens on the inside yes, first. Yes. And I don't know, I can see what you're doing, but I don't know what battle you're, you're fighting on the inside to break free from yes, that. Okay. Yes. And it takes time. Yes, ma'am. Okay, this is something I've been going to tell you since Tuesday, but I kept forgetting. Oh, Lord. And when I thought about it, it was too late <laughs> to call you. So I'm thinking this is the right time for it. Okay. Uh, I had did the book, I made take CDs of the Book of Roman. I had, you know, all of them lined up. And this one lady came in and she said, oh, they got this uh, book of Roman. And she said, honey, you need to get this. This is some good stuff. And she said, let me get all the ones that I want. <laughs> and I think they walked away with all a book of Roman. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw one or two of it. I think I did see some. She, but the way she was telling us, honey, this is some good <laughs> stuff. You need to get it. So I oh. thought I would just share it. Yay. I'm an I'm eyeball in the eye socket. <laughs> yeah. And it's good when you find out you're in the place where you're supposed to be. There was one example that uh, one of the um, teachings I was listening to before, the man was saying, you know, every part of our body has its own place. Uh, if you take your eye out and going to replace your foot with it, it won't work. <laughs> because I don't think your eye, however how strong it is, can hold up the rest of you as well as your foot can. Right, so we don't want to be an eyeball in a foot socket, Amen. right? We want to be an eyeball in an eye socket. So if you don't know where you fit, uh, and there when you read through the rest of uh, chapter 12, it does list um, some of the places, some of the uh, ministries, so to speak, and also in a few other of the letters that Paul wrote, it will also talk about you know, different places, different you know, parts in ministry. Uh, find out where you fit. Because there's a, a gap there waiting, and there may be somebody, you know, like a substitute, but think just like with substitute teachers, I, can, I could fill in, but it's not going to be the same benefit as the, the regular teacher. Um, you know, case in point, Jasmine's art class, for the first half of the semester or so, they had a substitute. Now, she came in, and I'm sure she did a good job. But when the teacher came back, they realized there were a lot of things that they didn't do that they were supposed to do. And a lot of things they did that they weren't supposed to do. Now, a substitute can fill in, but they're just a substitute, you know? So don't, let's not let somebody be substituting in a place where you could really bring a lot to the time. So find out where you're supposed to be. Thank you guys so much, and we are dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning 
Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way.